Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show um solitaire board games. <laughs> I'm your host Albert, and this is episode two thirty three twenty five. Hey Albert, did you know why twenty twenty three went by in a blur? Why is that? The resolution was too low. Oh, <laughs> I like that, Julius. That's my kind of joke. Thank you. You're welcome, Albert. All right. So, so good riddance to that year. Or I missed that year, whichever one. Um, I'm with you on the first. (laughs) Okay. But it is 2024. And uh, I guess when you're listening to this, we're a couple weeks in. And actually, my birthday is about two or three days away at this point. If you hear it the the day the show drops. Woohoo. Um, so today, though, we're doing a popular mechanics episode, which is not really, honestly, a popular mechanic. It's not even it a popular mechanic. Mechanics. <laughs> it's got it's got less to do with mechanics than my unpopular mechanics episode did. <laughs> I mean, that depends on what what you mean to do with this episode. I certainly mean to talk about mechanics. <laughs> okay. Well, this is a 2023 recap episode. Uh, so Julius and I, as we like to do in our popular mechanics episode, each bring three games to the to the table to talk about that fit that mechanic. And yeah, this year the mechanic is 2023 recap, so it could be, you know, anything. Really. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, I'm still going to be talking about mechanics. Well, let's see what it is. I know we had talked about this for two seconds and sort of wanted to hold off on our surprises. But yes, Albert, when you say you want to do a review of 2023, what is it that you're thinking of? I'm, I am I am thinking way less mechanics than you are. I'm thinking, let's look at the games we covered last year on the show and, and talk about some of the highlights. Ah, Okay. I was also wanting to talk about just maybe some general trends that we would have mm-hmm. seen in things that are developing and games that are being released and also games that we prefer. I know that I, I know for me, I can look back and sort of my history as a gamer and see ideas and mechanics that I have liked in the past that have sort of faded out or that are harder to find or that are easier to find or become more popular and things that I've liked more in the past or that I like less or like more at this point in time. So that's sort of where I wanted to go with the idea of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's a little that, that's definitely a little different. You're staying more on theme than I am for sure then with the mechanic stuff, it sounds like. But in that case, let me snipe one from you and just start off right away. I think I'm going to snipe one from you based on the stuff you've talked about this year and the stuff you've told me and said. Uh, for me, the biggest surprise this year was possibly also the smallest game this year. It was for Northwood. It's a <laughs> a small trick-taking card game for, for one player exactly. Uh trick-taking games are unusual. And and you know, you don't at least for solo gaming, you don't see that a whole lot. They're they're great multiplayer games. There's some fantastic multiplayer trick-taking games out there, but you haven't really seen too many trick-taking ones for solo. And this was a big one that I don't think actually came out this year. I think I received the Kickstarter this year, if I remember correctly, but it, we definitely covered it this year. You're you're playing with more or less a standard deck of cards, and you're you're trying to accomplish a certain number of tricks. Win win a certain number of tricks to win the game, or a certain number of rounds. You win a round by winning a specific number of tricks each round, depending on which location you went to for that round. Anywhere between, I think, if I remember correctly, between zero and Eight tricks is what you have to win 
or something like that, or zero and seven. I think it's eight. And you, you're zero eight. two seven, including seven. Okay. So and so you're deciding this before the round starts. You look at your hand and you say, I think I could I could actually manage to win all the tricks this round because my hand is that awesome or wow, this is a terrible hand. I doubt I'll win anything. Or somewhere in between. And and you you're basically betting on how you'll do. And then you play the hand out solo. It's a little bit random what comes up, but there's still a lot of strategy because not only are you just playing tricks to to win cards in the standard following pretty much the standard rules of trick taking games, there are special cards you could use. They give you different bonuses and powers during the round to help you achieve that goal of however many tricks you're trying to win. It's a really neat little game, super fun, super small. And for me, that, that was probably the biggest surprise of the year. Interesting. Um, a mechanic and one I wanted to discuss is something that sort of bled over from solo games to multiplayer. And I suppose it's more that I just don't have patience as much anymore. <laughs> When you're playing solo, it's it's enjoyable. You don't have to wait on anyone else. You can just keep playing. You keep cruising on along. And I suppose to a certain degree, I've been spoiled by that pleasure when I'm playing multiplayer games by having to wait on everyone else's turn, especially in some <laughs> games when everyone else can take absolutely forever. Mm. And one thing that I've seen a couple of releases on recently, and I just don't feel like I've seen that much of it, but it's something I've been on the hunt for, are games that have simultaneous gameplay. And the one I specifically want to talk about is the Bullet series. Um, I know that I only got it this year. I know that there's been a couple new releases that came out this year. I've backed for a couple of releases that are coming out next year. But it is a simultaneous game where when you're playing multiplayer, everyone has their own bag and you're pulling these tokens called bullets out of this bag and arranging them on your board. And each token has a color and a number on it, which de- which determines where on your board you're putting it out. You put it on the corresponding color and the number of empty spaces based on the number on the token. And if you fill up your board, it'll go all the way to the bottom and it'll reduce one of your lives. And your goal is to use your abilities your cards and your patterns to arrange those bullets to be able to clear them off of your board. And usually when you're playing solo attack a boss character, leaving those bullets attacking them and be able to advance through their shields to be able to win the game. When you're playing solo, obviously you're the only one playing. There's no other turns, but nearly multiplayer. It feels so similar to a solitaire game in that I, we all play, we run our bag, we do everything at the exact same time. And, we're all enjoying simultaneous gameplay just as if it were a solo game, just with a little bit more socialization going on with a couple other people in the room. Hmm. So I've really been liking this idea of, of simultaneous gameplay, being able to have everyone just sort of go sit down and all of us just play the game at the same time all next to each other, whether it's a shared objective we're battling or whether it's a shared competition that we're all fighting in but this idea of having everyone play simultaneously i kind of feel like it's a bleed over from the fact that i've just wanted to play more uh you know more solitaire games and and have been sitting down to play them <laughs> as a group and so now with a simultaneous I sort of get the best of both worlds to a certain degree or at least good aspects of both to a certain degree by being able to have that continue so that's the thing that I've been enjoying my multiplayer games, and it has bled over into some of my selections for my solitaire gaming, these ones that sort of have just go. There's not any turn-based element to it. I feel like 
a lot of the solitaire cooperative games we have sort of have this idea of a pandemic flow that I take a turn, the bad thing to its turn, I take a turn, the game takes a turn. There's no turns in this. You just go. You just keep running through it. And that's something I've been enjoying. That's something I'm going to continue, I'm sure, to grab more of those mechanics as we, you know, as I continue through my board game acquisitions. That's funny. Yeah, I find that that kind of game stressful, personally. <laughs> that that whole racing against type stuff can be tough. Now, is this, this is the one that's a bullet with a heart in the name? Yes, bullet, okay. there, there's bullet heart and there's bullet star and now there's bullet paw and there's oh. bullet uh, palette. So there's all sorts of different bullet games. And they're just under the general category of bullet. Are do are they like mixable or are they all standalone separate kind of games? They're all mixable. So you can pick oh, okay. any hero and compat them against Actually, I hesitate to say that they're heroes. You can cuz some of them are just downright evil people. Um so I guess <laughs> you you can take any player character and combine them against any boss. Nice. Okay. Boy, I like that. I like that sort of thing. Yeah. And there's a when ton you're of playing... variety and a ton of diff- changes in difficulty. Different ones are different complexities and different levels of difficulty. Nice. When when you play multiplayer, are you playing cooperatively or competitively? I, don't, I missed that. You can either play competitively, where all of you are trying to just keep going until the other person goes down, or you play it exactly as the solitaire is, where there's a boss character. All of the different player characters, you can flip over their boards, and on the other side, they have a boss character. And it's sort of like a remix on their player character abilities to be an AI-controlled, sort of like an Rotama-type thing that you have to keep dealing damage to. And when you play it on that side, it's just a challenge to try and clear bullets over to them as quick as you can and defeat them. And when you're playing, you can play solo that version, or you can just play everyone versus a single of those characters. And the only thing that changes is the scale of how many bullets you have to deal to them. Neat. Okay. Okay. Let, let me ask you the back to my first game. Did did I actually snipe one for you? Were you going to talk about North for Northwood by any chance? Um, no, I wasn't. You weren't. Okay, I was sure you're going to talk about trick taking, and maybe you still will, but. Oh, well, I tried. Anything my, is possible. Yep. My next game, I'd, I'd say uh, it's a safe bet. I'm not going to be stealing from you. This is a, no surprise, it's a solo RPG. <laughs> oh, no, you're not stealing that one from me. <laughs> you know, and we covered a few of them this year. And boy, they, they just seem to be becoming more and more popular and coming out so fast. I, th- I swear, I think they might come out just as fast as solo board games do now because they're Many of them are very small, easy to publish on your own, easy to create on your own. And and there's so many wild and crazy themes. And so for this episode, I'm actually picking one that I covered in just the very last show we had, Wreck This Deck. Um, but I, I played it last year, not this year. It, and it is a very simple, well, it's, it's a simple role-playing game where, where you play a deck runner, a person that uses their their deck of playing cards to summon demons and interact with them and and tell a story using that deck of cards and the demons you've summoned which you're doing spells and doing things with them what really made this game neat and i mentioned it you know just a couple weeks ago is that you're actually modifying your deck you the 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 term wreck this deck is very literal you you take your deck of cards and when you trap a demon in it you got to alter the card to trap the demon and there's different ways to alter it depending on the demon and really it's any way you want to do it it is a craft project 
you could write on the car, you could draw on it, you could put stickers, you could cut it up and paint and do do anything you want to that card. And so, so you're playing your game, you're telling your stories. Over time, your deck is evolving and becoming a part of the story itself. So it's really neat, really innovative little solo RPG. I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of these types of games. You think um, we're going to be seeing more solo RPGs? Oh, yeah. More and more and more. I think so. There are so my, many at this point, just because they come out so often now. I go to the, my friend local game store, and, and every week, it seems, or every few weeks, there's a, a few more new ones on the shelf. And they're really small. They're books. They're mostly all A5 size. By, by far, most of them are. And there's many, many free ones that you can find online. And they're, you know, maybe 30 pages, 60 pages for a big ones. So they're just really, really easy to come up with one and produce one. And again, the themes can be so crazy and unique and distinct. There's another one that I picked up recently about being trapped in a cookbook. You're, you're, you're a ghost trapped in a cookbook and you're trying to get free from the cookbook. <laughs> what, what an unusual theme that is. At least I think it's unusual. I haven't come across anything else with that. That, that is certainly unique. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so so I, I think maybe 2024 will be the year of the solo RPG. We'll see. Every year needs a theme. Not that last year had one. <laughs> I, I think you have multiple <laughs> themes throughout the course of the year. From yeah. The way I've seen you interact here. <laughs> <laughs> they change from week to week, don't they? <laughs> they sure seem to. Uh, yeah, there we go. That That's probably the most interesting RPG, solo RPG that I saw this year, that I played and or played last year and, and talked about in the show. Though we did cover a few, not enough, but we did we did have a few in there. Wreck this deck. And and you know, go listen to the last episode. You'll hear more about it. Alright. Well, let me talk about another one that I just feel like I'm seeing less and less. And maybe it's because it's a mechanic I really enjoy. I've not been seeing very many games that have multi-use cards um it's a thing that you i feel like i used to see more of with these multi-use cards where you can use a card and you can either have it be you know a cost or you can have it be um you can have it be used to actually play it for its value or play for something else bruges is a game that I feel is the best multi-use card. It's not strictly solo friendly, uh, or at least it's not solo friendly by the publisher, but it's a game that has so many uses for it. And I continue to try and find a couple and it's just, I'm just not seeing very many of it. And to me, it just feels like it's, it's a shame that that mechanic continues to get missed. And I'd like to see more of those. So mm-hmm. rather than discussing a particular game, I suppose I just wanted to mention something that is uh, a hole that I want to see filled. If anyone's, if any of the listeners out there have heard of any good recently released multi-use cards that they'd like us to discuss in the podcast, I'd love for someone to reach out to me and let me know. Because I've really, I've not seen any particular good ones that I've been aware of that have come out recently that have been, that have really made a splash and uh, I'm, I'm missing. Mm-hmm. I'm missing. Yeah. I, I haven't, I can't think of any new ones either recently. I haven't played too many new games this year. A lot of, a lot of older stuff and, and dark solo RPGs, you know, trying to catch up. I was thinking about, Oh my goods today in that genre. Yeah. 
That, that's that's a certainly fun game. one. Yep. That that is a fun mechanic. Absolutely. I love having that that choice of do I use this card now or do I save it later to do it use it a different way or am I going to just use it to pay for the other card I want to play? Oh man, it's such a hard choice. <laughs> and I mean, I think I've been seeing a couple recently where they've had and I don't consider it a multi-use card, but it's where the card has both a good side and a bad side mm-hmm. and you just have one deck and you'll shuffle up the deck and when it's your turn, you'll draw from the deck on, on the good side. And when it's bad, you'll flip it over and use the bad side of it. And I've seen a couple of those that have come out, but to me, I don't really consider that multi-use cards. That's more just you know, limited components where they've shrunk it all down to try and mix it all into a single deck rather than having two decks of cards. I haven't actually been so enthused when that by that mechanic when I'm seeing it. It usually cuts down. To me, it cuts down the prettiness because it sort of means you're not going to have any art at all involved in it because there's no room on the card for any arts. But yeah, it's it's a thing. It's a thing. It's missing. Okay, I've got a I've got a couple games for my next category, and I don't know which one to pick because these are both both games I enjoyed. That I want to just bring up again, and I guess, I guess I will mention my the best pandemic of the year for me, which is <laughs> the best pandemic style game. It's a uh, pandemic say, snakes. <laughs> pandemic say, over. I'm glad there's not That's too many the, pandemics in yeah, one year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, so so the pandemic style game, right? The bad stuff happens deck kind of game, and that that was for me. Banish the snakes. And I, you know, I keep going back to a mechanic and we keep covering games that have that. Wait, is this one you know, you've many... actually talked about? Yeah, we talked about it earlier this year, maybe in the uh, summer or something in fall. Then. Oh, right. We did. I remember this yes. one. It was the religious one where you're playing to, um... oh, what's his name? Yeah, St. Patrick. Yeah. So, the, yeah, this was the game about St. Patrick in Ireland trying to trying to convert Ireland to Catholicism and save the Western world and whatnot. And it is it is more or less your standard pandemic style game. You know, every round you, you draw a card from a deck where bad stuff happens and it changes the layout of the board. And then you're turning, you're trying to do the good stuff and fix those issues and try and work to your winning. The This game was more complex and bigger than the normal pandemic. There's different types of things you could do. There's different types of enemy units to worry about, not just one type of cube. There's three or four types of cubes, I guess, and they all interacted with each other. And and it was very historical, which is also kind of neat. And, and, you know, it's fun to learn a little bit about the background behind it. I like seeing that these kinds of games are still popular. Even though a few minutes ago you mentioned you kind of getting bored of the same thing over and over. Because, you know, it is, I think they stick around because it's a mechanic that works really well in, in solo or cooperative mode or whatever. Because you're, you're doing stuff and each time the bad stuff happened, deck is you draw from or however that mechanic is handled in the game. It's basically changing the situation for you. So you have to react. So it's keeping you on your toes and it, it makes the game very tactical. And I think it adds a lot of replayability to a game when you add that sort of uh, constantly changing environment to it. I enjoyed it. I look forward to seeing more, more pandemics in the coming years. Nice. Was that a response to my comment about uh, having less <laughs> pandemic? Games yeah. Maybe games? so. 
Somewhat, yeah, actually. <laughs> I said, you know, he's right. I mean, it is nice to see it change, but then, because it's nice to see things change and evolve and see different varieties, not everything be the same. But it is also at the same time neat to see that a single mechanic evolve. Yes. And, and expand. So, so it's a nice uh, juxtaposition. Very nice. Was that your third game? That was my third. The one oh, I'm not okay. going to mention is Legacy of You that I played so much and had so much fun with this year. It was quite the surprise. <laughs> but I'm not going to mention Legacy of You. The really the best fun campaign game? game. Uh, it was... No, I think for me it was just the best surprise. It was not... I did not enjoy the campaign aspect of it as much be, because I found it easy to win the campaign. But I enjoyed the process of playing the game every round and just playing through the cards and building my engine. Maybe the best engine builder. With a campaign that's okay. Nice. <laughs> so for my third, and again, I'm using more mechanics because I'm sort of like lumping them together, but it's another one that I, I sort of, after I got the third one of these, I looked back and I'm like, huh, I just got a whole bunch of very similar mechanic games. And that mechanic is a tile laying component mm-hmm. where there's a set of tiles available, whether it's a river that there's a whole bunch of them or some other arrangement to ran the door of the bag, whatever, whatever method it is that there is, there's a bunch of tiles available and you're selecting one of them and laying them on your board to create a personal board, a personal tableau of those tiles and they interact for different scoring methods. And I just happened to purchase like three of them this year. I purchased habitats is the first one. Um, Habitats is a game by All Play Games or Board Game Tables where there's a set of square tiles and they're laid out in a safari in front of you and you have these chunky Jeep meeples. And you are driving around the board and you will select one of those animals and they'll want to combine together with other habitats in your board in order to unlock their scoring points. And if you manage to connect them, then they score points. If you don't, then they just provide habitats to other animals to potentially unlock other animals. And then you'll also have goals that will be present over the course of the game that you'll have to achieve those goals to be able to score additional points, um, as well as the different sorts of tiles that will score different ways. So some tiles want to have habitats or some want to be uh, combined in certain areas or have rows be filled in or all, all sorts of what have you. Um, so by combining all those things together so you have your final board and you'll fill it down you'll have enough points but at the end of the game where you'll continue to beat your own score and you're doing that or beat the score of your fellow opponents if you're playing multiplayer and it's this idea that you are creating this board by continuing to build these tiles as you're going along it and i looked at my collection i'm like i also just got cascadia where you have a bag of tiles and a bag of animals and you'll pull from your bag of tiles and you'll pull from your bag of animals and you'll create a pair of each of them each round to be combined with three pairs that are already sitting there. And you have to collect one of those pairs and then combine that together with your board. So set it up, slot in a tile adjacent to all the other ones. And these ones are hexes as opposed to squares. And you'll combine those together, to create these giant forests or mountain ranges or rivers and then you'll be able to score. You'll first score based on the habitats that you have. So if you have a big mountain range, you'll score a lot of points for those mountains. And then you'll have different scoring sets for each of the different animals. So like the moose may want to be together in pairs. And the salmon may want to have a salmon run. And the bears may want to be 
a mated pair, and the animals, the eagles may want to all see each other, whatever have you. And so each one of those different things will score differently. But again, when you're done with it, you'll look back and you'll have a set of tiles with these animal tokens on them, and you'll have a big board that you've just built over the course of the game, and you'll sit there and you'll look at this beautiful habitat as you're doing it. And then as I was thinking about that, I realized I bought a third one of these, Overboss, Mm -hmm. where in Overboss, again, you have square tiles, and each of these square tiles is some sort of area for you as a boss monster to be able to lay out. So whether it's a dungeon or a, a, a mountain or a lava pit or a swamp or a cloud or whatever have you, but it's the overworld for a video game that you will then select an area and add it to your map to add it to, to your area. And each time you select one, there's going to be a paired up minion and you'll select a minion. So again, you're pulling from the bag of tiles, you're pulling from the bag of minions to repopulate the, the set of four that you have each round and you put them out in your board and you can then continue to build it up. And then over the course of the game, you'll have a set of four by four tiles with theoretically four by four minions laid out on them and you go you look at it again and by the end of it you have this board and all the different things score all the different ways either whether it's a set of minions all tied together a cloud score this way or lava scores this way or what have you and you look across and you see that all of your board is all going to be unique and you have it all filled out of the course of them and i thought about all this i was like you know i really like having it where you look at the course of it, like, I've built this. At the end of the game, <laughs> I've built, this is the thing that I've built. Like, if I'm playing, you know, what is it, Energy Empire, if I'm playing Bullet, at the end of the game, you don't have a thing that you've built. You've, you've yeah. traded money for resources. You've managed to collect a bunch of points, but you don't have a thing that you've built. And at the end of these games, you've got a thing that you've built over the course of the game. It's big, it's sprawling, it's huge, it's beautiful. And I just have to say this, uh, I hadn't thought about it till after I had these three, I had them you know, next to each other. I was like, you know what? Apparently I like that now, and I do, and I like this <laughs> it, that, that is a fun mechanic. It, it reminds me of um, Castles of Mad King Ludwig, where, where you're building a castle by laying your tiles out. You know, and they're all irregular shapes, but... You build a castle and you have this nice little place with all these different rooms. And, and I like that building a map. Another game is a suburbia similar Carcassonne, which is not specifically solitaire, but there are variants. But then you have a game like uh, Number 9 that is also a tile-laying game and you're building something. But I find that less satisfying yeah. because it's not the map. Right? Yeah, That's exactly. a game we talked about this year. You have it, you look at it, and it's, oh, that's cool. It's all these numbers are stacked, and that was fun to do, and I score it. But the, the process of having a, a map of something you can look at and say, I remember going here and going there and whatnot, that is very satisfying. And you mentioned um, Carcassonne not being solo. There is Dorf Romantic, which we haven't talked about. I've played it a couple times. It's it's another one where similarly you have that map that you're building up that you look out and you just say you own that and you built it. It's another mm-hmm. one that has that symbol level of just of feeling good about what you put on your table. Yeah, I'd like to hear more about that. When I, I remember when it came out, I, I heard it was really good. The people at the games were really excited by it, but I, but I never picked it up. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to hear more about that at some point. At one point. So there we go. That's 2023 uh, recap for you. Um, a lot of different games last year, a lot of variety. It was, it, was a, it was a fun year. Absolutely. 
<laughs> so I look for it. Tons and you know, just just for just for a little tiny bit of statistics because I wrote it down. You know, last year we did forty two episodes. That's a lot. <laughs> wow, that is a lot. Yeah, for us, yeah. So here's to twenty twenty four. We'll see what that brings. More mala games. Mala. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone. Alrighty. Have a good night, everyone. Enjoy twenty twenty four. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-like license. Thanks for listening.